Greetings, Crosspoint Church and friends. Hard to believe, isn't it? This is the last Sunday of July. We're about midsummer. And this is also week three of our Great Bible Stories Summer Sermon Series. And so today we're going to be in the book of Joshua. Let's pray. Father, as we look now to your word, open again our minds and our hearts. Help us to hear your word and help us to be willing to apply it where it fits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sixth book of the Bible, the book of Joshua, last chapter of the book. The children of Israel have arrived in the promised land. The journey is over. The battles have been fought and won. The land has been divided up and settled. And now, as our story begins, Joshua, who has been leading Israel since Moses died, is an old man, a very old man. He's 110. And he calls together the children of Israel and begins his very last sermon. Now there's an encouraging word for me. I plan to preach my last sermon when I'm 110. Anyway, as he begins his sermon, he launches into a history lesson of all the awesome things that God has done for the Israelites. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates, and I led him into the land of Canaan. I gave him many descendants. I sent Moses and Aaron to deliver you from Egypt. I brought you out as a free people. I brought the sea crashing down on the Egyptians. I gave you victory, victory over the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Jesubites and all the other ites. And the list goes on and on. And then Joshua calls his people to make a commitment and he concludes his plea with these words. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Well, the response was tremendous. It was overwhelming. The people shouted, we, we too will serve the Lord. Joshua appears to be skeptical, and he comes back with, I don't think you mean it. Are you really serious? And the people shout even louder, yes, we are determined. We are serious. We will serve the Lord. And then we read late in Joshua chapter 24, these words. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day at Shechem, committing them to a permanent and binding contract between themselves and the Lord. Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law as a reminder of their agreement. He took a huge stone a huge stone, and rolled it beneath the oak tree beside the tabernacle of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, this stone has heard everything the Lord has said to us. 
It will be a witness. This stone will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to the Lord. Joshua is saying to them, every time you look at this stone, you will be reminded of the commitment that you have made this day. So there you have it. Joshua called his people to a rock-solid commitment with a huge rock placed in front of them to remind them of that commitment, of this permanent and binding contract. Over my years as a pastor, I have performed two wedding ceremonies that I regret. The first one was way back in the mid-1980s. The couple were not part of our church. The bride's brother was a part of our church family. And I don't know why they went through with that wedding ceremony. He, uh, I think she was sincere, but he certainly was not. As he took his vows, if you could call them that, he did it with a smirk, an amused chuckle or two. It was obvious to me and obvious to all present in the church that day that he was not taking his vows seriously. Frivolous is the word for his demeanor and attitude that day. The bride's brother said to me later, Pastor, when you said the words, if anyone knows any reason why these two cannot lawfully be joined together, let them now declare it or forever hold his peace. He said, I should have stood right then and said, I object. The marriage lasted eight months. The second wedding I regret performing was in the late 1990s. And again, they were not people I knew well. They were not church attenders at our church. And as they stood before me on that day, they looked sullen. They said the words. They exchanged the rings. They signed the documents. I pronounced them husband and wife. Now, my first wedding of regret, the marriage that lasted eight months, this one didn't last eight minutes. Seven days later, she calls me and says, Pastor, do you do annulments? And then she told me that on the day of the ceremony, they had had a disagreement, but decided to go through with the wedding because of friends and family and guests coming. But she said, when the ceremony ended, he walked out the door, this is seven days later, and I have not seen him since. If I could describe those two weddings in one word, this would be the word. Not sure if it's a word or not, but the word would be commitmentless. Commitmentless. In these days when so many people would say, oh yes, oh yes, I have faith, oh yes, I believe in God, but so few people speak of commitment, here's my question for you on this day. Are you committed to Jesus Christ? Would you describe your commitment as a rock-solid commitment? Well, let's talk for a few minutes about what that means. So come with me now. We'll take a, a clear look at a rock-solid commitment. The first thing I would have you notice is this. A rock-solid commitment is motivated by God's favor. As we mentioned, this was 
Jer- this was Joshua's farewell sermon. Actually, the scripture says soon after this, soon after he preached this sermon, Joshua died at the age of 110. And most of his speech, as we've seen, was a list of the wonderful things that God had done for them. I gave you this land. I delivered you from Egypt. I gave you victory after victory. I gave you vineyards and olive groves. And after a long list of God's favors, then Joshua says, So, so, since God loves you so, Because of these many good things that God has done for you, will you commit yourself to serve him? Will you? You see, the only solid, the only sound motive for a rock-solid commitment is God's favor shown towards us. Think of it. Think, Think of this. Ages before... Ages before you were born, the Father looked down through the corridors of time, and he saw you, and he saw me, and he made a plan way back then to come down here to this planet himself to redeem you and me. When we reflect on God's great love and his mercy and his grace, it should overwhelm us to the point where we would respond as these ancient Israelites did, oh God, I love you too. I'll serve you. How can I not serve you after all that you have done for me? You know, there are all kinds of motives, I guess, for making a commitment. There was once a jockey who had an unbelievable winning record. And just before the end of any race, the jockey would would lean way over and seemingly whisper in his horse's ear. And so he was being interviewed, and the reporter asked uh, him what he did that made a difference late in the race in the horse's speed. The jockey responded, I simply quote a little verse in the horse's ear. Roses are red, violets are blue, horses that lose are made into glue. Some people's commitment to Christ is weak because their motive is weak. Maybe it's, maybe some folks' commitment, some believers' commitment is weak because their motive is fear. Like the racehorse, fear of what will happen if I don't commit. Some, perhaps, believers are motivated by a desire to to please others around them or to go along with family members or friends. Let me ask you, is is your commitment to Jesus Christ driven by love for him? Is it? Some years ago, there was a popular chorus we used to sing right here at Cross Point. It went like this, I love him. I love him because he first loved me and purchased my redemption on Calvary's tree. You see it? We love him because he first loved us. A rock-solid commitment is motivated primarily by one thing, God's favor. I love him because he loved me. The second thing I would have you notice about a rock-solid commitment is that a rock-solid commitment is total and exclusive. 
total and exclusive. A rock-solid commitment, I'm speaking of the Joshua type, is, is a situation where Christ is number one priority. He's not an add-on. He cannot be an add-on to an already busy life. Jesus Christ must be the center of our lives from where he reorients our whole life. And I take you back to portions of Joshua's speech. Speech. Hear his words. Honor the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. He's talking about totally. He's talking about a total commitment. Serve the Lord alone. Suggesting what? It's an exclusive relationship. And the people respond. They get it. They say the Lord our God is the one not one of many, but he's the one who has rescued us. And they respond again, shouting, he alone is God. We will obey him alone. You see it? This rock-solid commitment is total and it's exclusive. No more gods like our ancestors served. No more gods of the Amorites for us. All the idols that we may have around our homes, they will be gone forever. Let me ask, do we, do we really need to put the adjectives rock solid in front of the word commitment? If it, is, if it isn't rock solid, we have to ask, is it commitment at all? If it isn't total, and if it isn't exclusive, is it a commitment? One of the most famous TV interviews of all time was Princess Diana's interview with Martin Bashir on the British show The Panorama. It was watched by an estimated 15 million people. And she spoke in that interview of the hurt caused by her then-husband, Prince Charles, his relationship with Camelia Parker Bowles. In a quiet sad, rather pathetic voice, she said, well, there were three of us in the marriage, so it was a bit crowded. You know, that was 25 years ago, and, and Prince Charles took a public relations hit way back in those days that he's never recovered from, so it seems to me. People were disappointed in his lack of of commitment to his then wife, Diana. Said the chicken to the pig, what do you say we provide Farmer Brown with a breakfast of eggs and bacon? Easy for you to say, said the pig, for you to provide the eggs is merely a contribution, but for me to provide the bacon, it's a total commitment. I wonder, in our day, are there a lot of chicken Christians who, who, who contribute some time, some passion, some energy, some of their gifting, and other things. They have other things. Other things have a piece of their heart. They have other idols. They have other gods. Their commitment is not rock solid because it is not total and it is not exclusive. Is yours? I'd have you notice, third, that a rock-solid commitment is also permanent. 
right towards the end of the book of Joshua, we read these words, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Notice that? They were lifers. Are you doing life? Are you a lifer? And then again, Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, committing them to a permanent, hear the word? Permanent and binding contract between themselves and the Lord. You've heard me mention before, I served as lead pastor of the Wesleyan Church in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia from 83 till 2001. And then 12 years later, I returned to pastor the same church from 2013 to, through 2016. One of the difficult things I had to face going back there one of, the, one of the great heartaches for me upon my return was to visit people who at one time during my first 18 years there, their, their commitment was strong, their commitment to Jesus Christ was rock solid, or so I thought. And as I would talk to them and visit with them, and I, I, would look into, I would look into eyes that were once fervent, once passionate, and now cold and distant and hard. Is your commitment to Jesus Christ, is it, is it rock solid? Is it permanent? If I check in with you in 10 years, will I find you still committed and serving, you'll be a committed, serving, passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Will it be so? Well, I want you to notice fourth that a rock-solid commitment, a rock-solid commitment is personal. And again, I take you back to verse 31 in that last chapter of Joshua. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the leaders who outlived him, those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. Did you notice those words? Those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done. You know, if you finish the book of Joshua and then flow into the book of Judges, you discover a people. You discover a people that had that had no personal experience with God and the things that he had done. And the nation of Israel fell apart. No commitment. Your commitment, hear these words, your commitment won't last. Your commitment won't last unless you can look back in your past, recent past, and in the present, unless you can look at things that God has done for you personally. Can you? You know, I can pick up my iPhone and talk to Siri, and I can ask her questions. What's the capital of Nigeria? What's, uh, what's the weather for tomorrow? Where does guacamole come from? And I get an answer from her. She, and when she answers, she sounds personal. She isn't. She doesn't know me. Technology can never provide the personal touch. But listen, 
Listen to me. You are special. God values you. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knew you. He loved you. He had plans for you and your life while you were still in your mother's womb. And when we say back to him, out of gratitude, I will serve you wholeheartedly. I will, I will love you and serve you and you alone. We personally experience him. A rock-solid commitment is personal. Here's the fifth thing I want you to notice about a rock-solid commitment. It's a powerful influence. It's a powerful influence. Israel served, reading from the word again, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the leaders who outlived him. You see that? They, they listened to Joshua and they were influenced by his rock-solid commitment and they responded, we too will serve the Lord. They're saying to Joshua, if you will, we will. Influence. So many times, I think we become unaware of the influence that we have. A Peanuts cartoon showed Peppermint Patty talking to Charlie Brown. She said, guess what, Chuck? The first day of school, and I got sent to the principal's office, and it was your fault, Chuck. And Chuck responds, my fault? How could it be my fault? Why do you say everything is my fault? And says Peppermint Patty, she says, you're my friend, aren't you, Chuck? You should have been a better influence on me. Friends, it's difficult, it's difficult to overestimate the powerful influence of a rock-solid commitment. Dr. John Getty went to Anetium. That's an island off the coast of Australia, just a small island population around a thousand. He went there in the year 1848 and worked for 24 years. On a tablet erected to his memory, these words were inscribed. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians. When he left in 1872, there were only Christians. A rock-solid commitment has a powerful influence. Hear me, Christ follower. Your rock-solid commitment draws people that you know to him. It's true. Here's the last thing I want to say to you about a rock-solid commitment. A rock-solid commitment is your choice. It's your choice. It says, Joshua speaking, choose, he says, to serve the Lord alone. If you are unwilling to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. It's your choice. It cannot be forced upon you. You have a choice. Can you say with Joshua? Can you say with me? As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to them, let this stone be a witness of the covenant that you have made this day. Let this stone be a witness. 
out walking just the other day on a beach down near St. John, I picked up this stone. And I'm going to keep this stone in my office as a reminder of my rock-solid commitment to Jesus Christ. Can I ask you to do something when you're out walking? Stop. Look for a stone, a rock, and, and pick one up. And let the rock that you bring home and keep it in a place where you see it often be a reminder that you too stand with Joshua and stand with this pastor saying, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Will you do it? Father, I acknowledge on this day all of your activity through history on my behalf. I acknowledge today the most evident way I have seen your hand at work in my family's life and in my life personally. And I choose to serve you. I choose to serve you and you alone. I choose to serve you and no one else forever. And I will use my influence to bring my family, those in my church family, those in my neighborhood, people in my community, those I work with, I will do my best to use my influence to bring other people into your family. And Father, I want my commitment to you to be Joshua-like, to be a rock-solid commitment. I'll live for you and serve you. In Jesus' name, I declare it. Amen.